and running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. It is nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Welcome everybody. I do hope you're having a good evening. Cambridge Analytica has gone belly up, bankrupt. The evil, awful, sneaky, dirty Mercer family. You know, I mean, the media's just hard and feathered these people. All they did was involve themselves in American politics the way others have, but yet they are supposedly evil, awful, and sinister, which is nonsense. Uh, the real story here is that everything Steve Bannon touches seems to die, uh, this being yet another one. You know, the Cambridge Analytica story, the media runs it. It's just a way to avoid blaming Hillary Clinton for running a terrible campaign. The whole thing is infuriating to me as someone who has run political campaigns and done the data analytics for political campaigns uh, and, and dabble in it occasionally for friends who are running for office. The The whole thing is nonsense. The, the idea of being able to pinpoint voters to persuade them to vote for you by using data analytics algorithms, if it was true, Ted Cruz would be president of the United States today. Why? Because Ted Cruz used the data analytics from Cambridge Analytica. It was Ted Cruz who brought in Cambridge Analytica. And yet somehow they were able to to get a rhythm with Donald Trump that they weren't able to get with Ted Cruz. And that's not true. The, The truth is that data analytics can only really shape a campaign by one or two percent. That's about it. In the same way that being first on the ballot for any race can shape your race by about a, a percentage point. I mean, we're talking small things. If you're if you're at the top of the ballot because your name starts with A or in, in a random selection state like Texas, uh, you, you get the top of the ballot and you use really good data analytics, you're maybe talking two and a half, three points in a really close election. It could matter. But most elections aren't that particularly close. Most elections are not, and then you're when you're dealing with the presidential race, because I can I can feel it in the force of you are yelling at me. Seventy thousand voters hasn't made the difference. Well, you got to know the electoral college. You got to know which states are in play. You got to which know which states are the most um, viable. You got to know the differentiating opinions of the people in those states to target them. I mean, it is very very difficult stuff to do. And a lot of the data analytics people have a vested interest in telling you they're the reason their candidates won. And the media loves these sorts of stories. So the media itself constructs stories about how the the person used Facebook to win the election. I mean, you know, when Barack Obama did this in 2008 and 2012, the media was writing stories, made an entire career for certain reporters out of the idea that there was some special secret sauce that the Obama campaign managed to figure out in order to get them a win when it came to data analytics and winning on Facebook. Facebook and Twitter and whatnot, and all of it was overstated. It was just a bunch of mumbo-jumbo that didn't make any sense whatsoever that they could tout and, and make it sound like it made sense. The fact of the matter is the candidate matters more than the data analytics. The candidate matters. And Hillary Clinton was and is a terrible candidate, and it mattered Barack Obama was a very good candidate. You and I may not care for him, but he resonated with Americans. It was his message that mattered. 
It was his ground game that mattered. It was the ability to pinpoint voters with data and then show up on their doorstep that mattered and to have a volunteer army that mattered. All of those things mattered way more than data analytics. But those aren't sexy stories. Those are the stories the media likes to tell. So they they, they build up these, these companies like Cambridge Analytics, make them into these boogeymen that they can then slay and say, oh, we took out... Cambridge Analytics, the company that brought you the evil, lawful Donald Trump, paid for by the evil, lawful Mercer family. They're all villains in the minds of the media. And the reality is, Hillary Clinton was a terrible candidate who lost the race, and all the data is ancillary. In completely different news for the day, Ty Cobb is out. Nope, not the baseball player. Ty Cobb, the lawyer. Ty Cobb, the president, head of the president's legal team. He's gone, out, finished, done. Uh, this comes a day after the questions uh, asked by the Mueller investigators were leaked. The president on the warpath saying it was the Mueller team. Ty Cobb, his lawyer, came out today and said there is no way that the Mueller investigators leaked this information, that the only people who stand to benefit by the leaking of these questions are the people who do not want the president to sit down and talk to the Mueller investigators. This is actually an interesting twist now. Uh, Cobb cannot talk about attorney-client privilege matters, but it's been no secret for a while that Ty Cobb felt uh, more and more marginalized by the president's, the rest of the president's lawyers. Though he was technically the lead lawyer on the team guiding the strategy, the president had brought in more and more lawyers, some of which he wanted uh, basically for PR purposes. And in the PR purposes, uh, one of their chief roles, one of their chief focuses was on building the case that the Mueller investigation was out of control and out to get the president. And you hear this on a daily basis on most talk shows across the country, that the Mueller investigators are out of control. Um, this is very much a, a guiding point by a PR machine led by the president's lawyers trying to get conservative talkers and others to make this case. Ty Cobb, freed from the restraints of representing the president, has come out today now and said, nope, as a matter of fact, the Mueller investigators, they don't leak, they're highly disciplined, and while he supports the president and thinks the president didn't do anything wrong, he thinks that Mueller has handled himself appropriately in this investigation and that he wouldn't have asked these questions, that these questions had to be leaked from someone in the president's team who saw them and not the actual questions. Hey, where'd you hear that from? You would have heard that from me yesterday. I made this point, the point that Tom, Ty Cobb, the president's lawyer, made today, that these aren't the questions from Robert Mueller, these are the questions from people who clearly saw them and are conveying the gist of the questions, not the actual questions. And in doing so, are, are doing it for a PR campaign to try to get the president to not go along with the idea of meeting with Robert Mueller. Cobb, I believe, was on the record thinking the president needed to go on and get this interview over with and, and be rid of the investigation. He was under the impression that uh, the Mueller investigators were ready to wind up. They were just wrapping it up and tying up loose ends, and one of the loose ends is an interview with the president. Others, however, are very adamant that the president should not in any way, shape, or form um, have anything to do with Cobb. So... This is an ongoing saga, and on top of all this, we've got the president's doctor continuing now 
to come out and blast the president's team, saying that uh, they seized his records. Um, today, yesterday, late last night, he's saying that the president is the one who wrote the letter about his health in 2015, that it wasn't him. The president dictated it. Uh, that suggests a breach of ethical. Con- I mean, is this guy trying to destroy his career? You got the doctor patient confidentiality issue there. That's one thing. Uh, and then you got him going out saying he allowed patients to dictate letters on his letterhead, uh, lying potentially about the condition of a patient. That's not a wise, smart thing to say. And yet he did. Makes you wonder what the hell is going on with this guy. Um, and the president's lawyers, it turns out, they took all the documents at the beginning of last year, right after the inauguration. It's not something that happened recently. It was last year, and only now he's speaking up. And it makes you wonder, why is this guy speaking up now? Why is he talking now? What happened? I wonder if he has a relationship with Michael Cohen. Just, Just wondering. Let me have a brief timeout for this week's sponsor, and that would be Quip, uh, which is a fantastic toothbrush. I love my Quip toothbrush. I have been using it for a while. Uh, The truth is most of us are probably brushing our teeth wrong anyway, not long enough. We forget to change our brush. Uh, I know for the longest time I went without changing my brush, and I didn't realize it actually sharpens. When you brush your teeth, it actually sharpens the bristles, and in the process of sharpening the bristles, you can do gum damage. You can wear off the enamel in your teeth, so you want to actually change your brush heads, and Quip does that. It's an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes. You can barely fit in the back of your mouth, and it packs just the right amount of vibration to help clean your teeth. It's got a built-in timer that helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes while guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. I really like it and it has a great subscription plan. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5 including free shipping worldwide. I actually just got new brush heads last week I think uh, for my toothbrush. Uh, so Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's G-E-T-Q-I, am I doing this right? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Let's try that again, shall we? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Eric. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. That's getquip.com. Folks, listen, I have been using this toothbrush now for a while. I did just get my brush heads. It is great. And really the coolest thing, they don't really sell this themselves. And I'm just, I'm telling you, you don't have to travel with a recharger. Every electric toothbrush I've ever had, you had to travel with the recharger or it was really bulky because of the batteries. This one, they have streamlined it. It's one AAA battery. It has lasted me three months and still has charge in it. Uh, But yet when they sent me the new brush head, they sent a new battery with it too. So a great, great product. Highly recommend it. Getquip.com slash Eric. It's 25 after the hour. When we come back, we're going to have Hunter Hill joining us on the campaign trail. He's on his bus tour. Uh, we have made this available to all the candidates. Uh, we'll, uh, we're connecting with uh, Casey Cagle's campaign as well. Um, Hunter Hill, Brian Kemp, Clay Tippins, Michael Williams are allowing them to come in, uh, tell us where they are on the campaign trail, what they're seeing out there, uh, give them a little bit of time, one more pitch before voting. early voting is beginning. So allow them to do this. And I got to make a plea with you. And I really genuinely do need to plead with you. Even if you have to sit in your garage, 
please be here at the top of the next hour. Um, There is a story today about the Boy Scouts are getting rid of the word boy. Um, They're allowing girls into the Boy Scouts. But there is a larger story in all of this that everybody is missing. It involves Apple Computer. It involves the the girl in Utah with the, the Asians. No, it's not some sort of random conspiracy theory. Trust me. No, it, it's just I don't have time to make this point until the clock opens up at the top of the hour. But this, everyone always says culture is upstream from politics. What happens in culture flows down to politics. But no one ever stops to ask, what is upstream from culture? Well, I want to read you some quotes from a book that came out in 1989 and let you realize what's upstream from culture and how the media really is shaping us and so much of the divisiveness that we've got going on right now in culture. It's it's really amazing. Uh, but when we come back, uh, we will have Brian Kemp. Now, before we get out of here for commercial break, uh, I've had been asked about some local candidates, and I don't know all the local candidates. What I do know is that if you're over in Jefferson, Georgia, my buddy Sam Thomas, he writes with me at The Research, and he is running for office. And if y'all are over in the Jefferson area, he's running against an incumbent, Tommy Benton. Uh, Sam is an actual conservative, a good Christian conservative. He's running, and you should be voting for Sam Thomas. If you are in Forsyth County, Michael Williams' seat is opened up because he's running for governor. Uh, Greg Dozal is who you want to vote for. Greg Dozal, uh, you need to vote for Greg. Uh, Greg is going to be the guy in this race who actually has real integrity and will keep his promises. Uh, So please, if you're in Forsyth County, vote for Greg Dozal up there for that Senate seat. Conservatives in the Senate need him. is 38 after the hour. We are waiting for State Senator Hunter Hill, uh, who is calling in on the bus tour, and it all revolves around um, his when he gets done speaking and shaking hands and back on the bus and stuff. Uh, so we will give him a few minutes. The, the race continues to take shape. Now, I got asked last night um, about something I said yesterday regarding these candidates, and I suppose I should clarify, um, and it wasn't meant to, as I said it yesterday, it wasn't meant to be an endorsement. It wasn't meant to be a slight on any of the other candidates. It's just a, a statement of fact um, that I do try to keep track of in anticipation of the scorecard, who the conservatives are in the House and the Senate in Georgia. And it is um, without a doubt true that the conservative leaders in the House and Senate, the guys who actually fight for things like religious liberty and and campus carry and stuff like that, they are backing Hunter Hill. Uh, And in so doing, um, that kind of does give him some legitimacy among the conservative grassroots in the state. Now, will that be enough to push him into the second place into the runoff? Um, I don't know. But it looks to me like we've got uh, the state senator on the phone now uh, joining us somewhere on the road. Hunter Hill, how are you? Hey, Eric, how's it going? Great. How's, how's your tour of the state of Georgia going? Going outstanding. We started out yesterday on the northeastern side of the state, and, uh, or excuse me, the northwestern side of the state, and now we're on the northeastern side. So it's going very well. Nice. A lot of pumped up. 
Now, I know you'll really be in enjoy. middle Georgia tomorrow evening. I, I'm going to be stuck in Atlanta, so I won't be able to get you get to see you there, but I'm, I'm glad to see you out there now um, moving about the state. How are things looking out there for you? Great. You know, our, our message is a, is a true conservative leadership for Georgia, uh, and we are connecting with voters on moving us to a more limited and focused government that delivers results for taxpayers, eliminating the state income tax, and elevating K-12 education by expanding choices and options, and people are responding excellently towards that message. Now, yeah, I was just saying before you came on the air, I do think it is notable that uh, you've got the conservative uh, flag bearers in the House and the Senate in Georgia have all seemed to gravitate towards your candidacy uh, when they were looking around finding the conservative to support. Well, I appreciate you noticing that. You know, Sam Teasley came out early and endorsed us, a uh, House member. Uh, many House members, uh, like Michael Caldwell and Wes Cantrell, and uh, just so many others, Ed Setzler. We have conservatives behind us because they know our track record. I fought for our Constitution on three combat tours, and as a state senator for five years, uh, we defended our values. I voted for religious liberty three times, and as governor, I will sign a Religious Liberty Restoration Act. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Now I don't have to. The other issue I wanted to ask you about, give you some time to address, is the NRA. I, I know they just came out with their uh, scorecard ratings, and I do believe I heard you have an A rating from the NRA. I do have an A rating, uh, and we earned the A rating from the NRA because I voted on every Second Amendment expansion that came across my desk. Uh, and I'm the only candidate in the race uh, that has defended our Constitution against our foreign enemies and voted to expand our Second Amendment every time I had a chance as a state senator. So uh, we're proud of our record on guns, but it's gonna, we're going to need continued leadership because the left is going to continue to attack this foundational constitutional principle to it's a God-given right to protect ourselves and our families and we're going to continue to need strong leadership to protect it. I continue. I was in Valdosta last Tuesday. Uh, I've been to Savannah, uh, Vidalia, Columbus in, in the last couple of weeks. And I get everywhere I go this real frustration with voters. They've become cynical within the party that they keep saying that the Republicans are going to back their Republican agenda and conservative small government agenda, and, and they never, ever seem to. And they're trying to find one of you guys who's running for governor who's actually going to do what you say you're going to do. And this level of cynicism, yeah. I think, is unhealthy. It's unhealthy, but it's it's warranted because people are tired of Republicans campaigning like Ronald Reagan and then governing like Barack Obama. And I observed it while I was in the Senate. And that's what the lieutenant governor's record has been about. And that's why I'm running a campaign to lead our state in a positive direction that is based on true conservative leadership. And that, you know, it's one thing to talk about our values, but what we need is the leadership that's going to implement those values and principles into policy. That's what we've lacked. And what's the point of all these great majorities of Republicans we have in the House and the Senate if we're not going to use them to actually move the ball forward on these very important agenda items. And we need to eliminate the income tax in Georgia because we're going to be at a competitive disadvantage with other southeastern states if we don't address the fact that we're one of the highest income tax states in the southeast. Well, there's a compelling message right there. Okay, before you get out of here, uh, it is 45 after the hour, which means you have a massive captured audience right now stuck in their cars in Atlanta. Uh, your pitch for the voters, uh, why Hunter Hill and no one else? 
Well, I, you brought up traffic. You know, I want to have a more limited and focused government that delivers results for taxpayers. And those core competencies that we need to invest in are public safety, transportation, and education. We can't always just assume we're going to raise taxes to support transportation. We need to make the hard choices in the budget and prioritize transportation funding. We're 40 years behind on our infrastructure spending, and I'm going to fix that as governor. The reason that voters should pick us on May 22nd is because we are a true conservative. We believe in the founding principles of this country, less government, less taxes, and more freedom. And we have the, the leadership experience to get these values and principles implemented into policy it cannot be about talk. It's got to be about action. I'm the only candidate that has led in combat tours in Afghanistan and Iraq. I've run a small business, and I've fought for our values and principles in the state Senate. So I'm uniquely qualified to tackle the tough issues that our state faces, move people towards a common goal, and deliver results for the taxpayers of Georgia. And I'd be grateful for the folks' uh, consideration of support. Hunter, thank you very much for calling in. Good luck out there on the campaign trail. Thank you, Eric. I appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Hunter Hill on the bus tour, making his way from North Georgia to South Georgia over this week. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here. Uh, Real quick, I want to go to John in Jonesboro. Welcome. We've only got about a minute, but wanted you to be able to ask the question. Thanks, Eric. I wondered why... Uh, Trump doesn't have Jeff Sessions investigate Comey and these liars who are creating mischief in Washington and and problems for the Trump administration that started with illegal activity. That is the most baffling bit of this. Um, And Comey in particular, having now admitted that he was a leaker, seems like he, not just Andrew McCabe, should be investigated. And I wonder if there's something going on that none of us know about within the Justice Department. Uh, because the only other conclusion, if Jeff Sessions, who has been the president's most ardent defender, isn't going to do it, is there a there there? And I, I, I think there's got to be. So why isn't it? Or maybe there is something happening. Second hour, Eric Erickson here, nine after the hour on WSB. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to step back, um, step up, if you will, to a higher level and look at this uh, story about the Boy Scouts of America ditching the boy. Uh, They're going to allow in... Uh, boy and Girl Scouts. I should note that had the Girl Scouts been any more successful than being a propaganda wing of Planned Parenthood, they probably would not be doing this. And a lot of the reason the Boy Scouts are doing what they're doing has to do with the absolute failure of the Girl Scouts uh, as anything other than a propaganda front for the abortion lobby. Um, so they are, they're opening their doors. Uh, liberals, of course, are outraged that they're only opening their door to girls. Uh, what about the, the, the kids who haven't picked their gender yet? Uh, yeah, actually, yes, there were people today, not just the Babylon Bee, pointing that out, that it was actually still not inclusive for the Boy Scouts to allow girls to come in. They, they needed to allow uh, kids who haven't yet conformed to a gender to come in or kids who have a different gender to come in. 
yeah, my silence is intentional while your brain wraps your head around that fact. I know. I know. Where is all this coming from? I, I keep dwelling on the story of the girl. Um, I ha- I know her name now. Uh, Keziah Dom, a teenager in Utah who wore the Asian-themed dress and said she would do it again and thinks the whole story is silly. China has come out in defense of the girl. Yes, the, the actual nation of China uh, is defending the girl, uh, liking their culture enough to wear a dress dress of Asian theme. Oh my goodness, people have lost their mind. We ask ourselves all the time, well, you know, a lot of people, myself included, have said that the president's behavior is a symptom of culture. He's not a disease. Some people like to say that the president's a disease. He's not. The president's just reflective of American culture. But where does that American culture come from? I mean, we say culture is upstream from politics and what's in culture flows down to politics. Well, what's upstream from culture? There is a book out there that you can buy on the internet called After the Ball. It was written in 1989 by a psychologist named Marshall Kirk and an advertising agent executive named Hunter Madsden. They were gay rights activists and they were upset at how uh, gay culture had not been normalized in this country and they wanted to do something about it. And so they wrote a book called After the Ball, and they declared it to be their manifesto of how uh, they were going to mainstream gay culture in America. And essentially, it was uh, it, they were going to encourage propaganda. They would encourage friends to get hired into key places in Hollywood to be script writers who would then write scripts normalizing gay characters. They would then get gay characters on TV. The advertising side of it would put gay people in advertisements, uh, normalizing them. Gay celebrities would be celebrated and put into advertisements to, to make it normal. They would also portray themselves as victims. And one of the things they wrote, let me read you a, a quote from the book. The purpose of victim imagery is to make straights feel very uncomfortable. That is, to jam with shame the self-righteous pride that would ordinarily accompany and reward their anti-gay belligerence and to lay the groundwork for the process of conversion by helping straights identify with gays and sympathize with their underdog status. Oh, but it goes on. Let me read you two more quotes from, from After the Ball. Again, written in 1989. Constant talk builds the impression that public opinion is at least divided on the subject and that a sizable block, the most modern up-to-date citizens, accept or even practice homosexuality. And then on the issue of is it a choice or are you born that way, the authors essentially say, who cares what science says? We're not only going to say that people are born this way, but we're going to browbeat it into culture. People are not going to be allowed to think it's a choice. To, to suggest in public that homosexuality might be chosen is to open the can of worms labeled moral choices and sin and give the religious and transigence a stick to beat us with. Straits must be taught that it is as natural for some people to be homosexual as it is for others to be heterosexual. And on top of that, they went out of their way to say that they would target churches in this country and that progressive churches that went with the times on this would be applauded and praised and churches that didn't would be highlighted as fringe and bigoted to make it more acceptable. Now, we've seen this work masterfully over the last two decades. It was a well-orchestrated PR campaign done through Hollywood and the newsrooms to normalize uh, gay relations in America, getting to the point of gay marriage, which this book predicted would eventually happen if their playbook was, was implemented. Now, why do I bring all of that up? 
I bring all of that up because it answers what's upstream from culture. A well-orchestrated PR campaign designed to shape your mind. I mean, how many of you, you don't have to raise your hand in the car and take your hand off the steering wheel, but how many of you believe that uh, people are born gay or straight? There's actually no scientific basis for this. This is part of the PR campaign that they were writing about in 1989, that they were going to infiltrate culture, campuses, newsrooms, and the like, and demand that it be talked about this way. So now, why do I bring that up in relation to the Boy Scouts or, or the girl with the, the dress? Because we're seeing that it the PR campaign has never stopped, and it's just been embraced by the transgender activists. It's being embraced by the feminists. It's being embraced by the environmentalists. There's a story out there today that the a, a senior executive at, I believe it was the, the National Weather Service, uh, assaulted, yes, the, the National Weather Service director assaulted a meteorologist just a few years ago for talking about cooling at a conference. That that was off message. You can't talk about cooling. Everything has to be shaped around convincing people the world is warming. In fact, the meteorologist is willing to speak up and say he believes that there has been data altered at the National Weather Service to push this story into the culture, to get people in the culture to believe that the world is warming. The game outlined by these two guys in the book After the Ball is nothing new. But it's now reaching absurd places like the whole idea of cultural appropriation. This girl in Utah wore an Asian-themed dress. None of us would know about it except the media picked up the story and the media generated the story because the media wanted clicks. And they got the clicks because they knew a story of cultural appropriation would incite just the right people to click on the story and be outraged and make the story go viral. They knew how to play people to get this whole thing into the culture. They knew how to build up the idea of cultural appropriation. It is a game the left is playing. It is also, by the way, something that the right can toy at, too. This isn't a one-way street. You have to get ahead of culture. And how do you get ahead of culture? Well, you align institutions culturally to march in lockstep to a common message, just like the gay rights movement did, like the transgender movement is trying to do. You can do it with the gun movement. You can do it with cultural conservatism. It's harder because so many people are aligned with the left on these things. But I'm telling you, they're trying to do it. The left is on guns right now, and the right's going to need to fight back. Now, we don't have to fight as hard on the gun issue because so many people have guns. But look at what's happening to families in this country. I mean, more and more of the same forces that have have worked all along to shape culture on these issues are now turning very hostile to large families and people of faith as environmental concerns, um, as bigots. uh, People of faith are considered bigots and whatnot. And this all gets me back full circle to the Boy Scout story. Yes, the Boy Scouts are doing this largely because of the Girl Scouts' failure. And yes, there are scout groups around the world that are integrated. Poland and France, for example, just have scouts. They don't have Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts. But what is happening with the Boy Scouts right now has more to do with an infiltration of their culture by left-wing forces designed to capture the organization and turn it to the left. It is something people on the right need to think about. It's something you as an individual who believes you're thinking for yourself need to think about, that in many cases the very stories you're seeing on the news tonight are stories shaped by others who want you to believe a certain thing 
And the culture that you're seeing is really just propaganda for a cause. And maybe we need to all do a little better thinking for ourselves. And the Boy Scouts, well, maybe we need to find a new organization. Let me have a brief timeout for this week's sponsor, and that would be Quip, uh, which is a fantastic toothbrush. I love my Quip toothbrush. I've been using it for a while. Uh, The truth is most of us are probably brushing our teeth wrong anyway, not long enough. We forget to change our brush. Uh, I know for the longest time I went without changing my brush, and I didn't realize it actually sharpens. When you brush your teeth, it actually sharpens the bristles, and in the process of sharpening the bristles, you can do gum damage. You can wear off the enamel in your teeth, so you want to actually change your brush heads, and Quip does that. It's an electric toothbrush that's a fraction of the cost of the bulkier brushes. You can barely fit in the back of your mouth, and it packs just the right amount of vibration to help clean your teeth. It's got a built-in timer that helps you clean for the dentist recommended two minutes while guiding pulses that remind you when to switch sides. I really like it and it has a great subscription plan. They deliver new brush heads on a dentist recommended schedule every three months for just $5, including free shipping worldwide. I actually just got new brush heads last week, I think, uh, for my toothbrush. Uh, so Quip starts at just $25, and if you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free by going to getquip.com slash Eric. That's G-E-T-Q-I, am I doing this right? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P. Let's try that again, shall we? G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Eric. G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash E-R-I-C-K. That's getquip.com. Folks, listen, I have been using this toothbrush now for a while. I did just get my brush heads. It is great. And really the coolest thing, they don't really sell this themselves. And I'm just, I'm telling you, you don't have to travel with a recharger. Every electric toothbrush I've ever had, you had to travel with the recharger or it was really bulky because of the batteries. This one, they have streamlined it. It's one AAA battery. It has lasted me three months and still has charge in it. Uh, But yet when they sent me the new brush head, they sent a new battery with it too. So a great, great product. Highly recommend it. Getquip.com slash Eric. All right, I, I just I want to say this, um, y'all. I don't like the Clay Tippins ad. I like the part with Clay Tippins. I just I all the candidates I, I think um, have by and large they've done a good job. I just I want a good positive ad from Clay Tippins. I got his mail piece in the mail. It is an impressive piece of mail. It is an eight page magazine style mail piece. And I mean, the cynic in me looks at it and they're like, ah, consultant bleed. Um, but I just, I, can I just get a standalone? It, it does. I, I think the more I've thought about it, it kind of rubs me the wrong way to to call a a man who led uh, troops in the line of fire in Iraq and Afghanistan a, a traitor. Uh, I got mad when conservatives called John Kerry a traitor. I don't like John Kerry, but I didn't think he was a traitor. Um, didn't think we should do, I just, uh, that, I just want a positive cause he's such a good guy. I mean, I like Clay Tippins. Um, I just, I don't like that ad. I just want a positive ad from Clay Tippins. Uh, something to point to ponder, I guess. Um, I don't know what I'm doing for mother's day. Um, I, I want to go see my parents. Uh, I haven't seen my parents in a while. I need to go see my parents. Um, but at the same time, we've got other family issues going on. I just, I can't make up my mind. What am I going to do? And then I'm going to be gone the next three weeks in a row. 
Um, so I won't be able to celebrate Mother's Day with my wife. I don't know. These these Hallmark holidays can can cause difficulty sometimes. I may need to sneak over to Louisiana in the middle of the week and take an access box and just do my show over there. I don't know. We'll come up with something. When we come back, we have much more news to discuss this day, including have you heard about the standardized test results on education in America? All these people upset with Betsy DeVos. Schools are failing, and it's not her fault. after the hour y'all this is somewhat on, on a personal note here um but it it weaves into a larger national story i've been meaning to get to it's still relevant um we've been going through just the, the school shakeup thing j- discipline issues at our kids school um just deeply troubling and you know what's so so aggravating to me is we so we had to pull our son out of the school he's gone to since first grade um, because of discipline problems, not his own, other kids. And we're pulling our daughter out at the end of the year and moving her, sending them both to a different school, and suddenly finding other parents who are like, oh, yeah, we, we have these problems too. Yes, nobody would listen to us. No, Nobody would do anything about it. It just it makes me so mad, uh, particularly at a, at a Christian school, to to be dealing with the discipline issues we're dealing with, where the school says, oh, well, it's our mission to bring in all comers, when really it's, uh, we want the money, let's open the doors to everyone, and it's just, it's polluting the culture of the school. And to find just, I mean, more and more parents. I was actually getting my hair cut yesterday, and the lady who cuts my hair was talking to her about it. She says, oh, yeah, I have clients all the time complaining about that school. Uh, the lady who, who comes on Fridays and helps us clean her house, She's like, oh, yeah, everybody knows about the problems. It was like, why didn't anybody tell us? Uh, it's just so frustrating. <laughs> I mean, no, just so we're sending our kids. And one of our big frustrations is that the, the, the school, in addition to all the discipline issues and whatnot, and bullying and stuff and just seeming like it fell on deaf ears and nothing ever getting done, it is common core math is crap. Um, if you have not seen the the Incredibles trailer for the new Incredibles movie, there's a scene where the dad and the son are trying to do math, and the son says, Dad, we can't do it that way. And the dad says, what do you mean you can't do it that way? Math is math! And it should be. Like, our daughter came home and had a, a cross-multiplication issue. It's a proportions issue. It was so easy to do. I was like, boom, this is how you do it. She said, they won't let us do it that way. They call it the granny method. And so nobody has any freaking clue how to actually do her math homework. And they want to teach the kids five dirt. I am really on the verge of using profanity. And I apologize if it happens. We're on a delay because this, ah, my blood pressure. I can feel my face getting flush. They call it the granny method to shame your kids into trying to figure out a different way to use math. As opposed to the way that we've used for 5,000 years. Since the Arabs invented the zero, we've been doing math the same damn way. And suddenly you got a bunch of hipster professors on college campuses who don't even do math. They're so busy trying to figure out how boys and girls can find some new gender. And suddenly they want to transgenderize your math. 
Oh, it makes me so mad. I, I mean, my wife was an engineering student, for God's sake. She's got a degree in computer programming, and she can't help our daughter with her math homework because of stupid Common Core. They want you to come in. This is how your kids get brainwashed, because now they're dependent on the government to do your freaking homework, because your mom and dad can't help because you use the granny method. We'll get in trouble if we do. So, uh, where's my point with all I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. This makes me mad. The federal government has released its, its standards number. 68% of 8th grade students in the United States are not proficient in math. 68% of public eighth, public school 8th graders are not proficient in math. Do you know why? It's because the stupid common core standards, because your parents can't help you with your homework, so you don't know what the hell you're doing, because you have to subtract to add. You have to add to subtract. It makes no sense to anyone in 5,000 years. Pythagoras is rolling over in his grave and Archimedes is trying to come back from the dead and burn it all down. None of it makes sense. 60% of 8th grade students in public schools in this country are not in an 8th grade reading level and 68% are not at a proficient mathematics level. This is a failure of public education in this country that time and time again tries to find the latest, greatest, trendy thing instead of sticking with the stuff that's always worked. Well, that's the patriarchy. Who says it actually works? 5,000 years worth of human beings. That's you. Y'all, it just, it's so frustrating to me. And to see the numbers come out today, Common Core isn't working. All it's doing is it's forcing parents to give up helping their kids with their homework unless they want to go in for re-education. None of it makes any sense. The math stuff is garbage. Literally, our son was taught... That in order to figure out subtraction, he had to learn to add some brand new way. And it's not the teacher's fault. The teachers are forced to use this curriculum. So in addition to moving our kids to a new school, that it's a they do classical education like in fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. The kids learn Latin of all things. Uh, it's very hands-on. The, the 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 grammar school, the 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 elementary school is is all a lot of recitation and memorization of things. But they're doing real math again. Our son came home from school excited that he knows how to do math again. He's excited to do math now because it's the way you and I have always done it. He gets it. His mom gets it. She understands how to help him with it. I understand how to help him with it. We can reconnect now over homework in a way we couldn't before because of the stupid Common Core math stuff. Everyday mathematics sucks, by the way, if you have that program, which is part of Common Core. They're doing actual real math again in this school. And guess what? The kids who graduate from the school tend to be outperforming the other kids from the other schools. When they get into college, they are more proficient in math. They're more proficient in reading. They're more proficient, tend to be in, in the biological sciences because they've had to learn Latin and they know all the roots so they can figure things out. It's amazing. It is a classical education like even before I was born, the stuff that they were giving up on, the kids in, in first grade learn phonics. They can they can agree or they, they can read. They, they can figure it all out. They... It's just, it is a breath of fresh air, and the kids walk in a straight line. There's there's no disorder. There's not talking. There's not disruption. They take discipline very seriously. The parents are forced to be involved. 
It is just a breath of fresh air. But man, y'all, we are screwing up another generation of kids with these education trends, the latest being Common Core. When 60% of 8th graders can't read proficiently in this country and 68% of them can't do math proficiently, that should be a big red flag in the education system in this country. And instead, you know who they've decided the bad guy is? Betsy DeVos. Why? They have no idea why. They just want to blame her instead of themselves for buying into this garbage. there's some new audio of your favorite person yes i am being a little bit facetious y'all got to listen to this audio though seriously um this is insane you you may be the only uh presidential candidate since world war ii that actually had to stand up and say i am a capitalist (laughs) uh and you did uh did it hurt you Probably. I mean, you know, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to know. But I mean, if you're in the Iowa caucuses and 41% of Democrats are uh, socialists or self-described socialists, and I'm asked, are you a capitalist? And I say, yes, but with appropriate regulation and appropriate uh, uh, accountability, uh, you know, that, that probably gets lost in the, oh, my gosh, she's a capitalist. So, yes, there you have it. Her, her latest reason for losing, folks is because she's a capitalist. (laughs) Oh my God, I hope this woman never goes away. Charlie and I were just talking about that. Every time she opens her mouth, I mean, it's like she's blinking in Morse code, I support Donald Trump. I mean, when she's blaming white women, she's blaming married women, she's blamed blue-collar white people, She's blamed Hispanic voters. Now she's blaming the capitalists and the socialists. I mean, she really hates the Bernie bros, by the way. But, you know, she does, I mean, have a a level of fair point here that, yes, um, the Democratic Party is being overrun by socialists. There's an op-ed in the Seattle Times today of a guy who is a Ph.D. out there, good liberal, who's like, yo, I'm done. I'm leaving Seattle. You socialists have trashed this place, and, and you're awful people, and you're bigoted, and you're narrow-minded, just like you say the Trump voters are. They're actually nicer than you people. It's actually really funny to see this left-wing meltdown happening in this country all around us.